Hello, my name is Ben. And I'm Nerd Bummer. And we are the hosts of the Too Vague podcast this week. How are you doing today, Nerd Bummer? Doing pretty well, you know. It's October, officially spooky season. So officially. I'm ready. I've got my, yeah, I've got my like fall, like inner fallness ready to go. Yeah. And pumpkin spice lattes, all that good stuff. Woo. Do, so do you, do you, uh, and Tectic, do you decorate for Halloween? We do, actually, yeah. So I would say it's a little bit harder to decorate for Halloween than some of the other holidays like Christmas. Obviously, there's just so much more stuff to buy for Christmas. Right. But like we have like a a graveyard scene outside that gets lit up. And then the insides where we really go all out, you know, tons of pumpkins, orange lights everywhere, candy corn, all that good stuff. Bowl full of candy. (laughs) How about you? Um, I do not. Uh, Although this year I am dressing up the cats or probably just the cat so i got bash a taco costume oh that's super cute you have to get like the rainbow in the background for like the taco cat oh yeah yeah right right (laughs) is that called the nyan cat or something oh yeah i think so it reminds me that reminds me of a of um, a pop tart he reminds me of pop tart cat i don't know maybe i'm just envisioning maybe i'm just hungry it could be that too but anyway, um, the word this week is going to be superstition. And before we start with superstition, we have a question from the listening public, I guess. I don't know if you've uh, listened to our show before, Nerd Bomber, but we have a, a segment where we answer viewer, quote unquote, viewer mail. Yep. That segment is called Questions from My Aunt. Because if you are my aunt and you have a question, you just send it in and we'll answer it. That's the segment, basically. I should have introduced that a little bit better. But uh, one other thing related to my aunt, her birthday is on Halloween. Oh, well, happy birthday. So she's going to be celebrating. But uh, from our last show, she has a question. Uh, We talked about haptic feedback. And... Uh, she just wants to know what is haptic feedback and how does it work on the PlayStation 5 DualShock controller? Since you have a DualShock controller, and I don't think we need to get into the nitty gritty of how it works, but can you give a description of, of, of how it feels when you're playing games and, and what it act, what the benefit is when you use the controller with the haptic feedback? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I'm a big gamer nerd and so out of all of the controllers i think the playstation 5's controller is probably my favorite in part because of the haptic feedback and so like you know the classic controllers have that rumble feel and it's all pretty like a uniform rumble like and it has degrees of i guess ferocity that's how i'll describe the rumble of a controller okay but you don't really get different locations on the controller where the rumble is enacted or different really feels of the rumble. With the haptic feedback, you know, walking through your character through the grass is going to feel different. It's got a different rumble feel than if you're a giant stomping through a cave or something like that. Okay. It just it's a little bit finer of a response and you'll also feel it in different areas of the controller. Right. Like so the triggers. Like if you're well, that too, but like your left hand could potentially feel like more rumble than your right hand, depending on where, you know, like an enemy is running at you from. 
Okay. So it's a little bit more of a dynamic feel than your classic controller. Right. Right. Quote unquote rumble shock. Okay. That's that's good to know. I I was under the impression that the triggers actually had like if you were doing something like uh, drawing a bow or something like that, it would feel more like oh, you yeah, were drawing a bow. It has that too. Um, one of the things, so like playing a Call of Duty game, for example, if you have a bunch of different guns, the aiming trigger will actually, you know, have a different force feedback depending on what type of gun you're using. So like a lighter gun will be easier to depress the trigger, whereas a heavier gun, like a machine gun or something like that, it'll take a little bit more pressure to depress the trigger. And even like, like you said, like a bow and arrow sort of deal. Yeah. If you're drawing a bow, you'll get more resistance the further you press the trigger. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. It, it brings more dynamic sense to the game. Right. You actually feel a little bit more immersed. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine so. If you add the sound to that and everything, it, like that just seems to me like that's pretty amazing. I'm still one of the people who hasn't uh, bought a PlayStation 5 yet. They're still really hard to get, aren't they? Yeah, they're super hard to get. I don't blame you for holding off a little bit at all. Yeah. Um, actually, one of my co-hosts on our podcast, Illegal, he is finally trying to get a PlayStation 5 himself, and he is having a very difficult time locating one. Just because, you know, with the, there's transistor, I think it's transistor, maybe semiconductor shortages for basically oh, yeah, for all everything. electronics right now in the world. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just making... All consoles and digital devices actually pretty scarce, so right. very difficult to find one. So I don't, I don't blame you for holding off. Yeah, and hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't drive the price up. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect it to, because because when they make those systems, don't they they uh, they sell them at a loss anyway to make sure that their technology stays more current. Is that your understanding too? That's what I've heard. Yeah, they don't make a lot of money off the console itself. I think they they stand to profit more from like your subscription services and selling like the actual software itself. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I think that's pretty much the way the model works. So, so anyway, I hope that answers your question, Nora. So let's move on to the word, which is superstition. Nerd bomber, what's the first thing that pops in your head when you think of superstition? Honestly, for me, ghosts, because every time I've ever had any kind of superstition, and I know they're very prevalent in sports as well, but I never really subscribe to sports superstitions myself. Mm -hmm. But ghosts are always something that I, it's like the first thing that I think of, you know, going through a cemetery at night. One of the, the craziest things that I remember as a kid, my sister, who's much older than I am, um, she told me that if you drive past the cemetery, you have to hold your breath. Otherwise, you know, the, the ghosts of all of the spirits in the cemetery are going to come find you. And literally up until probably like five years ago, I was still holding my breath. And it was just something that was like an ingrained belief. And after a time, like I didn't necessarily believe it, but it was just one of those things that, you know, it's just a superstition you've got and you just, you hang on to it. As far as like superstitions are concerned, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, people have their routines, right? And, and they're mm -hmm. comfortable in their routine. So if they add something like that to their routine, whether they believe it or not, it's a part of their routine, right? So you can't help the fact that you see a, a cemetery and the first and your first thing that you think of is holding your breath. Yep. <laughs> yeah. When you're younger, I think you're more susceptible to believe 
a lot of those things than when you're when you grow up and when you get older. Do you have a do you have a belief in ghosts and things like that, ghost hunting and things like that? You know, in your in your life now, or is that just something that you know, just kind of with your age, you just kind of like okay, ghosts, whatever. So, my first reaction is always, I don't believe in ghosts. Like as a very logical minded person, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like I, I've never, no one's ever had like sub- substantial proof of a ghost or anything like that. You think, especially with all the technology we have now, there would be some substantial proof of ghosts. Yeah. But whenever I watch something like really creepy, I always get that, like, you know, the tingle on your back, the back of your neck. And you can't really explain it. And you're like, even if you're saying, oh, you know, this is completely silly. I don't believe this. You still kind of get that creeped out vibe. I think that's where I fall with ghost stuff. Like, I don't think I would ever want to do. I know around Halloween time, you know, there's always all of the kind of spooky places in any town. They have like ghost tours and stuff now. And that's a really hot thing to do. now. You know, all of the ghost hunting shows are around. Right. And I just... As much as I tell myself I don't believe in ghosts or anything like that, I would not be caught dead going on a, a ghost hunt or anything like that. I, I would not make it through the night. I would be freaked out. Okay. Do it. Even realizing that most of that stuff would be all be in your head, you would still not want to do it just for the experience. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of where superstitions kind of come from. You know, you just let something fester and develop in your head sometimes. And then you just, even if you know that it's, completely ridiculous you just can't shake it right yeah and that's that has something to do i think also with rituals too right it's it's a ritual that's the word i was reaching for it was ritual it wasn't um whatever i said my gosh my brain is getting so old it's not it's not even funny <laughs> but anyway um superstition so when i think of superstition the first thing that comes to mind for me when i say the word is you know this, I live in Arizona. And mm-hmm. there is a mountain range in Arizona called the Superstition Mountains. And it's just... Where did they get their name from? It's a Spanish name. Originally, they were known in Spanish as Sierra de la Espuma, which is Foam Mountains. Now, I don't know what that has to do with superstition, but... That's what they were called before they were called the Superstition Mountains. So that's what mm-hmm. I think of initially is is that mountain range just outside of Phoenix, uh, which I've uh, I've hiked and it's uh, it's pretty enjoyable. But I don't feel any fears or anything or ghosts or any fears of your dread or anything like that. So mm-hmm. so that's a good thing, I think. The other the second thing I think of is, are you familiar with Stevie Wonder? I am, yeah. Do you have a Do you have a favorite Stevie Wonder song, or is it just like you just know him in general? I just know him in general. I don't think I could like pin down a specific single song that I like among like above all of his other ones. I think for the most part, I mean, he was such a legend. I mean, he, yeah. all of his music is just legendary. Right. And I feel like anybody who hears it, you instantly recognize it. You can sing along to it. Like, it's very pervasive in culture. You might not even realize. Like, I feel like his songs have been featured in so many, like, movies and TV shows. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That th- you can't help but know Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Well, that's that's where uh, he's got a song, Superstition, uh, which is, yep. that is one of the most notable. I mean, I have memories of listening to that back when I was younger and playing it on the record player. 
<laughs> um, and playing all sorts of other notable Stevie Wonder stuff, like Hotter Than July and all that. So he came out with uh, Superstition. Uh, that is from the Talking Book album, which was his 15th album at that point in time. And that was in 1972. Can you believe how much music the man has put out? I mean, that was his 15th full-length album. That is honestly impressive. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like, and not to disparage any current artists, because, you know, there are some very prolific artists today. But when you go back and you look at some of the older musicians and how much music they were pumping out constantly, like classic artists they have a huge library and it's impressive the amount of music and just the creativity that kind of goes into that because obviously like you have to be inspired to write a song you know what i mean yeah if you don't have that like key inspiration you're not going to make something that relates to people and i think that's what kind of makes good music you know people hook on to a song when they can feel it kind of personally whether it's just a catchy beat that you know they feel down in their core they want to tap their feet to or if it's just lyrics that really like grab their attention and they can relate to personally i feel like you have to be inspired to be a good musician and so how prolific like 15 albums that's just very very impressive yeah he was signed to motown records i think it was a uh, i don't know what the label is it's um he was signed at the age of 11 and called little stevie wonder and that was back in the early 60s so think think of that 15 albums in 10 years even that's that's pretty amazing that just just that yeah, I mean, volume going at a rate of more than one a year i can't even imagine how like he must have been working around the clock honestly because i know there's a lot of work that goes into producing an album you know it's not just something that happens overnight you have like what albums are typically somewhere between like 12 and 15 songs on average. Right. I mean, that doesn't just happen overnight. He must have been grinding for those 10 years. You know, back in those days, how the blind were treated. You know what I mean? I I mean, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. There weren't a lot of things that catered to people who couldn't see like that. And, And I wonder if that's possibly a function of his production is, you know, that that's what brought him joy. And there wasn't a lot to do because the world wasn't as, um, I don't know, accepting of, of, of that type of thing. I mean, even in general, any like any kind of disability or anything like that, I feel like the world, even going back, you know, 10 years ago, there's still long ways to go when it comes to making the world more accessible as a whole. But I think there's really been a focus in the last 10 years or so. So I mean, even what he was able to accomplish with not necessarily the world working against him, but not making accommodations for people who were blind or had various, you know, disabilities or anything like that makes it even more impressive. If you look back on his career, honestly, I wonder if he plays video games because there's, you know, they, they've got controllers now. Doesn't Microsoft have a, have a controller that's the adaptive controller that has things where people who are challenged in, in sight can, can, can do things like play games based on feedback they feel. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, the controller design itself is actually, you know, I've heard a lot of really good things and watched a decent amount of videos on it. And just the amount of research that went into producing that, like, obviously, you know, there's not one size fits all device that will 
you know, make it accessible for everybody. But I think what they were able to accomplish with that device, you know, Microsoft kind of did a really great thing for a lot of people bringing video games to a wider audience. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, video games are a storytelling and entertainment medium. And I think everybody kind of needs that sort of escape once in a while, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I I 100% agree with that. Whenever I think of Stevie Wonder, uh, oh, yeah, you know, oh, hold on. Uh, Before we go there, um, the song Superstition was written, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Beck, but he is a notable guitarist from the band The Yardbirds from well before we were both born. Well, actually, early when I was around, I just wasn't in, I didn't know who The Yardbirds were, but I bet you Aunt Nora did. I bet you Aunt Nora knows who the Yardbirds are. But anyway, it was... Um, Jeff- Sounds like a question for her. Right, exactly. Turn that whole little bit on, on its head, you know? Yeah, we should have we should have questions for uh, going both ways. So anyway, yeah, it was written between the two of them. They kind of had a jam session and recorded Superstition. And I just want to, before we go off the, the subject of Superstition, as far as it relates to Stevie Wonder, one of my favorite lyrics in that, song superstition it's the chorus basically it goes when you believe in things you don't understand then you suffer superstition ain't the way i think that's it's an interesting line oh absolutely and i mean i think it is kind of true when it comes to superstitions i mean even obviously I never got into a car accident or put myself in danger while driving by a cemetery. Right. But I mean, there are other things that people do that are a little bit more extreme based on superstitious beliefs. Right. And, you know, it can put a hamper on you. Yeah, that they don't fully understand. That's the other thing too, mm-hmm. right? You, you believe in something that's hearsay or it's something that, you know, kind of like urban myths. Do you have any local urban myths? Do you remember... Talking about urban urban legends or things like that when you were in high school? I mean, there were a few. One that, you know, I still I actually went down this rabbit hole again. And I feel like every time I see anything about it or hear anything about it, I end up going down a little research rabbit hole. But the Wendigo is like a very oh, crazy yeah. urban legend to me. Right. And part of the thing that actually like always gets me in terms of like needing to look things up and feeling that urge to research is the a i mean the folklore it's not something like new that someone came up with like it's very heavily steeped in like native american culture and beliefs right but also the link which i find really interesting and i don't know like obviously this is all again urban legend i'm not claiming that i believe any of this or that it's real but like the idea that the national park system is all kind of built on this system of caves or all kind of built around areas where there was like Wendigo activity and people, you know, tend to disappear in national parks and all that kind of stuff. Right. To me, that is just very like mind blowing and crazy. Right. Because, I mean, even when you look at um, like some of the, the UFO information that was recently released by the government and, you know, regardless of what your beliefs are on in aliens and all that kind of stuff, I feel like they, the government does have more information on things right. than we know. Yeah. So it might be a totally out there urban legend, but like, you never know. Not just about UFOs either, right? It's, they have, they have a lot of information about everything. Did you read right. any of that documentation on the, on the, uh, the UFO uh, stuff that, that uh, 45 released? 
for the public? I skimmed I skimmed some of like the the bullet points. I didn't really get into the nitty gritty. I did watch some of like the the videos coming out of like the Air Force and stuff like that that they had of unidentified flying objects. Right. right. Um and to me that that was actually very interesting. Yeah. Like the fact that people who are very skilled at what they do, you know, these pilots, they've probably seen a ton of stuff and the fact that they were kind of freaked out about it yeah. was like, oh, maybe I should be freaked out about it. I wasn't really, but I feel like I probably should have been a little bit more freaked out than I was. Yeah. Here's my hot take about about pilots and, and seeing that kind of stuff when you're a pilot. That is very stressful on the body. I mean, just being, mm-hmm. you know, you're at going at certain G-forces and stuff like that. So it would also be very taxing on the brain too right so you know i although it's it's not for me to to believe or not to believe someone for what they saw whether they're trustworthy or not unless i see something my eyes is is what i would believe as opposed to someone saying oh yeah i saw this thing or i saw that thing or even a dozen people seeing it but have you seen ufos I haven't, no. Okay. I can say I've never seen a UFO. Like, I think the one time I thought I did, yeah. it ended up being a Chinese lantern. <laughs> and I just felt like an idiot. <laughs> I was like, oh, well. <laughs> it was just a Chinese lantern. You just like turn and you go, oh my gosh, it's e-. Oh, wait a second. Well, because it was like, it was really low in the air. And I was like, what is that? That's a really low light in the sky. And yeah. then it just ended up being a Chinese lantern. And like it wasn't around a holiday. So I was like, why would there be a Chinese lantern in the neighborhood? That's pretty funny. Right. That's funny. Yeah, I had a similar thing when I was going home recently. They had, uh, I was riding home and I see this thing in the sky that looked like a flare. And I was like, what the heck is that? And then I looked it up and apparently it was one of the planets that was going to look that way for certain parts of the day. Uh, no, you know what it was? It wasn't a planet. It was the space station. That's what it was. So it was a big shiny thing that looked like a flare in the sky, and it was. And that's tricky because like it kind of moves. Yeah, I know the space because it's orbiting Earth. Like it doesn't move very fast, but like you can notice it's moving. So if you do a double take and you're like, "What is that thing?" and it starts to move a little bit, yeah, you can see how that would be like. Oh, yeah, alien. You know, like um, when you do that thing with a laser pointer and you and you run it across a wall, you know, and and you oh, kind of yeah. see the the trail. It kind of looked like that to me, and I don't know if that was just the way the atmosphere was altering the light from it, but it, it it was bright red, and it looked like it was moving, and I was like, what the heck is that? And then I looked it up, and it was appearing a couple times you know, over the night. It would be visible, and I don't know what was causing that exactly, but... So superstition. <laughs> We're not talking about space. We're talking about superstition. <laughs> Have you ever used a Ouija board? I do not mess with that. And again, it's one of those things where like logically, you know that it's probably the people you're with moving it and right. nudging it in a certain direction. But I've seen too many scary movies, man. I don't mess with that. <laughs> and the Ouija board is one of those things where that was that that was the whole point of getting together with, you know, you had the, to be scared at night. You know what I mean? People and people enjoy that feeling of being scared. I you know, do do you sometimes like do you like horror movies or things like that with with being scared or is it something where you just don't like that? 
I'm not really a fan and I don't know why, but like I feel like around especially Halloween time, I feel like I am obligated to try to watch one scary movie or something. Right. And it usually I end up not enjoying the experience. <laughs> like half the movie I'm looking through my fingers and I'm not even like really watching the movie. I think and it depends like what sort of scary stuff we're talking about. Right. I think there are things like um more like real life horror i guess kind of freaks me out more than any of your like mythical superstitious type thing okay so you're talking about like like murders like like something like saw yeah so one of the movies that always springs to mind that really freaked me out was the strangers and this was a movie i think it was back in like 2008 had like Liv tyler in it okay and the premise of the movie was just you know this couple on their honeymoon or something like that they go out to a cabin in the country and someone knocks on their door and it's just a a creepy person and they kind of turn the person away and they're like oh you know like we don't live here we don't like we can't really help you sorry and then a bunch of people in masks like four or five people in masks just terrorize them and obviously at the end of the movie just murder them because it's just what the movie is but the thing that freaked me out about it was that the movie was supposedly based on a true story. And to me, that's way creepier than any superstitious sort of movie or like anything like mysterious or mystical or monster based. Right. Because that stuff can actually happen in real life. And that freaks me out a little bit more than anything superstitious. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Like if you if you in your mind, you connect ghosts and supernatural things with superstition that would make sense to me that it's like, okay, so now we're dealing with the human element. We're not dealing with anything that is implausible, unlikely. Is that right? Is I think one of the interesting things, and you know, us talking about unless you actually see something, do you really believe these stories? Right. I think in today's day and age, everybody has a camera. Like I remember back, especially it seemed like in the 90s when. You know, digital cameras were a little bit more of a thing, but, you know, they weren't that accessible. You had to actively still have a camera on you to catch, like, a picture of Bigfoot or an alien or something like that. Right. Now everyone has a camera in their pocket, and you don't really hear about all of these, like, urban legend type things anymore. You don't see blurry pictures of urban legends. Right. Although I think there was, like, recently a Bigfoot video that came out of maybe Missouri or Mississippi that I saw, but even then I was just like, hmm. Well, look, yeah, a lot of that can be computer animated now nowadays too. So it just kind of like, you know, or photoshopped or whatever. I mean, it's just too easy to do that now. I think where where you make mm-hmm. it look as authentic as you can. You know, like movies do it all the time. So it may only makes sense. You know, I remember with big with those people taking photos of the things. The big one was the Polaroid camera. Because the Polaroid camera was, quote unquote, instant. You take the photo and then it spits out a little, uh, you know, a little thing that develops in, I don't know, Mm -hmm. probably about a minute or a minute and a half. Um, I think that might be a little bit before your time. Do you remember Polaroid cameras? Oh, no. Yeah, I was around for Polaroids. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Got to shake them to develop them. Exactly. Exactly. That is actually perfect for us to transition, I think, to video games because... Speaking of like rituals and superstitions and things like that, the shaking of, you know, you shake it, shake the Polaroid. Isn't that a song? That's a song. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. 
Is that I an think out- so. Th- yeah, I think that's an outcast. That's song. outcast. <laughs> that's what it is. Outcast. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. You know, word, things that travel word of mouth that I wouldn't necessarily call it a superstition per se, but do you remember the the NES cartridges? Just the regular Nintendo cartridges. Oh, yeah. Right. If you blow in them, yes, it'll work. Yes, exactly. That's where I was going with this. Where it's like, and you would have your little ritual to how to get it to work if it wasn't working properly. Like people would blow it from left to right and then tap on one side and then do something, you know, like do do a series of taps and then it would work. And then it's like, then you do that, right? Whenever you fire up your Nintendo Entertainment System, if it doesn't fire up the first time, then that's what you would do. You'd you'd tap it and then not that I ever did that. I never did that. Maybe. Never. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever have any of those uh, as far as it was related to like rituals or or superstitions about video games to where you would do a certain sequence of things before you played? I mean, definitely when it came to any cartridge-based things, because my mom actually worked in a gaming store when I was really little. And so from the time that I was growing up, you know, it was always blowing the cartridge before you pop it in, whether it was the old, I don't remember the model of the TI, but if you remember, remember the TI system? Oh, yeah. And it came with like the the fun, trying to, what was the, like, I'll get you Bigfoot. I can't remember what the name of the game was, but I remember you basically were like climbing up a mountain and Bigfoot was throwing snowballs down on you. And Was it like all sprites? It did did the graphics yeah. use all sprites and it was very kind of low tech looking? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very low tech looking. Right. And so even from like the time of using those cartridges, it was always just you gotta blow in the cartridge before you put it in. Right. All the way up to like the Game Boy. I was still doing that on my Game Boys, blowing in the like Game Boy Advance cartridge before I put it in my SP. And so like I don't think there's really anything like that now. Like modern day consoles, I feel like especially with so much going digital. Right. They don't leave a lot of room for that kind of fun stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. I think I think more of the superstition involves uh like good luck sort of thing, right? Like you do you do a thing to give yourself good luck or or think that, you know, it provides you good luck. Do you have good luck items that you think like this is my lucky hat or this is my lucky whatever? Not really. For a while. So like growing up, I played softball for, man, like a decade. And I did have like a glove that I was convinced was lucky. Yeah. And then I had to get a new glove because like as you're growing up, obviously your hand gets bigger. So you just need to size up a little bit. Right. And then when I was still playing fine with that, I was like, oh, so it wasn't the glove after all. It's one of those tricky things because like if you kind of rely on a superstition or a lucky object to make yourself feel like that's why you're succeeding, it's almost like you're not giving yourself enough credit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think there's a part of that and there's a part of believing in something. If you believe in something, whether it's true or not, it can it can manifest itself in, in, in a certain way and you could continue. Like, you know, Michael Jordan had a had a ritual that he did a certain thing like he he uh when he was playing for the well he was always playing for the Chicago Bulls but what he would do is he won a game where he slapped the chalk off his hands in front of the the broadcasters so then from that point forward every time before a game that they played at home he would do that he would just you know 
clap the chalk off his hands and they would choke because they would get a big cloud of smoke. But it was all for, you know, of, of chalk dust. But it was all for the ritual, the the good luck or whatever. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a part of, of those things in superstition where if you think it works, it works, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, even I'm a big hockey fan. And one of the things that's always fascinating to me, so goalies are like, almost a completely different animal in hockey you yeah. know they're the one position where they're in the entire game and their mentality can make or break their performance for a night and i always love watching if you ever go to an nhl game or any kind of hockey game really watch what the goalie does before the game because it's just so interesting yeah um there are a couple goalies that will come out like you know the usually arenas open a good hour before the game actually starts so people can like get food, get in their seats, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. And there are goalies who will come out like an hour before the game and they'll like have specific patterns that they'll skate in the rink before they like get ready to play. And maybe not so much that that, you know, ritual itself will impact their performance, but maybe it gets them in that like that headspace where they need to be to perform at their top tier. Yeah, it's always so interesting to me when they do that. Yeah, maybe it's 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 almost meditative, right? Like the the way they do their their little rituals and things, and like bang their stick against one one post and then the other, or you know, like they do certain things in a certain way and adjust their gloves or or their you know their pads. It's kind of neat. One of my friends is a big fan of hockey, but she's only a big fan and loves to go see it for two things. The fights and the goalie doing the splits. Those are the two things. That, like she says that every time we go to, if we're, if we're going to go to a game, those are the two things she likes hockey for. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> so... I mean, those are really entertaining parts of the game, to be honest. Like, yeah, you can have a really skilled person on the ice, but as soon as a fight breaks out, you know every single person in that arena is on their feet, full attention, you know, watching what's going on, right. yelling their heads off, right. all that kind of stuff. You know, and that's the thing, too, with the with, with hockey games. Um, who Do you, um, pro, you, you watch pro hockey? Do you have a team that's like the team you watch? Colorado Avalanche is my go-to team. Okay. And... You know, I've had some ups and downs with them, but right now we're in an up, so it's a good time to be a fan. <laughs> right, right. For me, it's always the Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks, even though I live in Arizona, and uh, the Coyotes are who I should be, but it's just, you know, the the Chicago Blackhawks have been ingrained in my head ever since I've been young. Even when they were just doing horribly, it was, you know, they would always be, be like the, the stadium would be packed even if they were horrible. And I think a lot of those, you know, you've got uh, the Colorado Avalanche. They were an expansion team back, I don't know, in the, was it the late 90s? Is that when they were an expansion? I don't. Uh, I think it was either the late 80s or early 90s. I don't remember the date, but yeah, they were actually, they started as like the Quebec Nordiques and then they got Oh, that's right. They got moved. Where they became the Avalanche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 so they weren't an expansion. They were just um, one of those teams that moved and changed the names. Mm-hmm. Like the Whalers, right? The, the, didn't they get moved and changed their name? Yeah. I think, where did the Whalers go to? Are they Were they the, um, they're North Carolina now, I believe, right? Uh, the Hurricanes. Yeah. They, they might be the Hurricanes. Yeah, the Hurricanes. Yeah. Not 100% sure. You know what? I I just watch... Hockey is one of those things where I love it. Um, I love watching it, but I'm not someone who watches it, you know, like what has to watch every game. Um, 
during the season or whatever. I mean, that makes sense. There's so many games too. Oh like, gosh, it's yeah. It's kind of like with baseball too. There, there's like multiple games a week and I don't know. I think even the most dedicated fans, like I would be impressed if there's anybody who can say, I watched every single game this season. Yeah. You know, that, that that's the thing too, that, that um, you know how they have those passes, right? For like basketball and football and things where you can basically watch every single game if you pay a, an ungodly amount of money. You know, mm-hmm. I wonder how many people actually do that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm sure it, you, with recording and things like that, you could, you know, possibly do that. But, you know, why why spend all that, that money? With the internet, with the internet, it's so hard, though, because, like, even with, like, games or anything like that, if you wait too long, it's going to get spoiled, you know? Right. Pretty much the instant the game's over, highlights are flooding the internet, like, right. on Twitter and Reddit. You can't even go on those sites if you don't want to see a spoiler for a popular movie or a sports result or something like that. Like, you're basically SOL if you're on the internet and you don't want to see a spoiler for something. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine trying to watch a game, like, a day later, because there'd be no way, like, even if... You know, going to work around a water cooler, there'd be no way you could not hear the result of the game because everyone would be talking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, that's that's an interesting point. I, I would uh, I would agree with that. So, you know, my my view on spoilers of movies and television is always that you can't spoil it, but I think it's different for <laughs> it's different for sporting events because part of that. Oh yeah. Part of that, you know, the enjoyment is which way is it going to end up? Unless I'm, I mean, there's. There are times when I've uh, like a basketball game or whatever. I look at a score, I see the score, and then I still watch the game because I'm interested in the players and how they did and what they did and stuff like that. But generally, that's that's the exception. That's not the rule. So, um, we got off on a tangent there. Sports. <laughs> did you uh, speak? You know, as long as hockey is, uh, and I have, hockey has nothing to do with superstition or Halloween, but. Did you ever play the NHL games that Electronic Arts put out? Or are you not that kind of hockey fan? I've played, I mean, I was playing, I remember like NHL 93 and 94. I think those are like considered some of the classics. Like I was playing that on the Sega Genesis. Oh, yeah. I I don't think, I don't buy the new NHL game every year. Okay. Just because I find that, especially like today, other than roster changes, the game doesn't change that critically. Right. And then it just seems like I'm paying $16 for an updated version of a game I already have. So I probably go like every other year. Oh, okay. Um, buying okay. the game. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I play them. I have a lot of fun with them. I'm not very good at them, honestly. Like there are people who, just like with FIFA, you know, they put in hundreds of hours. Oh, yeah. Mastering these like the sports titles and there's just no way as like someone who picks it up casually yeah. there's no way you can compete but yeah i i enjoy with any like sports game like they've started adding in story modes um i feel like we're very similar in that we like story driven games oh yeah that's very um, true i know you were yep. even talking about that last last week on your show and um you know i i enjoy now that they've started putting in this like you start in the minors or even like high school or whatever and you work your way up and try to win a Stanley Cup so that I kind of like make a story in my head yeah. and I play that way because it's, it's just more fun for me than playing online. You know what? Do, do you think they would, uh, like if you get like critically injured or they have like scars that appear on you or whatever, <laughs> do you think do you think that's getting a little too detailed in, in a story mode? Like if you get into a fight when you're in high school or whatever or you lose a tooth, 
that that kind of cosmetic goes forward. I think I haven't seen that in any of the games that I've played. I know like it's a silly question, but no, but like in the Madden game that I played last, which I think was like Madden 20 because it was on Game Pass after like well after it came out. So I just gave it a shot and played its story mode. Right. But I think my character had some sort of injury and it actually did like I set out for part of the season and they just simmed like the the. Yeah, they simmed the games that my player wasn't around for. Oh, okay. Like, oh, this is what it would be like to actually be injured, I guess. Right, like, right. It's happening way faster than it would in real time, but yeah, hey. Yeah, that's, I used to, you know, when I was uh, away from home, I used to play, um, this is going way off topic, basketball. There was a, a basketball game that I played on my PSP, my PlayStation Portable that I got when I was in Canada, I think it was, I want to say 2005. And I love that thing. And they had, it had real commentary from Steve Kerr and one of the, one of the NBC guys who was on the show or on the, you know, one of the normal announcers who would announce, you know, any sporting events or whatever. I would watch it like a, like a game. I would just set the computer against it uh, against itself and, and just watch it like a game sometimes because I didn't feel like playing. I just wanted to watch something. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty silly, but, but anyway. I mean, hey, it's just as entertaining. Like it's honestly, aside from the fact that it's AI and not like real people, yeah. it's honestly no different than watching a regular sports game on TV, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I and I actually I actually tested to see if it was the same game over again, and no, it it wasn't. They had they they played differently in each game. Back to video games, the rituals we don't have rituals anymore because of, com you know compact discs and and things like that and digital things. But definitely have good luck rituals. I think with uh, if you're playing anything competitively, right? I'm sure people in esports definitely have their rituals before they play. Oh yeah, for sure. Or their favorite controller or whatever. Um, I've got a question for you about tarot cards because that's kind of, okay. I, I put that in, in sort of the same vein as superstition, supernatural kind of stuff. Like, you know, being able to predict things about your future based on the way cards are laid down. I mean, have you have you ever done a, a tarot reading or had someone read your tarot cards before? I have not. I found it very interesting, but I've never actually had it done myself. Yeah. Have you? Yes. Yes, I've I've, I've actually done it myself, but it's uh, I used to be fascinated. It was more of the the I, I bought some tarot cards um, when I was I don't know in my twenties, more for the artwork actually, <laughs> and and maybe to impress girls. I don't know. You know, when I was when I was in my twenties, I had no friggin' clue what I wanted. But anyway, um, I had this big book about tarot cards and what all the different symbols mean and things like that, and what's the difference between your different arcana and you know you can you can lay them down in various spreads to you know tell you different things. But one of the things mm -hmm. that I remember or I, I've noticed that a lot of games use like a tarot deck as kind of a either a game mechanic or something where it's a part of the story of the game like in cyberpunk 2077 don't you have that there's uh, did you play that or no i did not okay. i know tactic actually he bought or maybe he was gifted the game but then it 
we had, saw it had so many issues on like the PlayStation 4 at the time. Oh, wow. And then it just kind of got shelved. Yeah. And then we were going to revisit it once we got the PS5 because we heard it was supposed to run smoother. Yeah. And then just... the backlog struggle is very real. <laughs> very, very real. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for you guys, that's, yeah. And especially with Game Pass, that probably makes it even worse, right? Because you just got, you just got constant game games coming your way. So... Game Pass is actually so like one of the things that was just announced was like Scarlet Nexus, which is a game I was actually like planning to buy at some point. Hit Game Pass, and it's almost a little stressful because you don't know how long a game is going to be on Game Pass. So then you're like rearranging your plan for like what you were going to play next, and it's like, oh, I, I need to fit this in. Like I don't know how long it's going to be on here. Okay. So and normally, like they're there for at least six months, but you never know. So that's that's a question I had. Because I know in PlayStation, when they have their games and they come out, I, I can access the games that I unlocked for the PlayStation 4 as a, as a member of the you know PlayStation, PlayStation Plus, right? Mm-hmm. I can still access all those games from earlier because I have the license in my name. And it even shows right. games that I had. I mean, I can't access them currently. But it even shows that I have licenses for PlayStation 3 games that I downloaded mm-hmm. at some point. And I'm wondering if, you know, did, don't they have backwards compatibility for 5? Didn't they say that you could play PlayStation 3 games on there? I'm not, uh, I'm not sure about PlayStation 3. I think a lot of the PlayStation 3 games you can play, but you need to be... Um Oh shoot! What is the subscription? PlayStation Now. Oh, you need to yeah. be a member of PlayStation Now, yeah. and then I don't think you download them. I think you stream them. Right, right. So I've always think, been a little skeptical of that. Yeah, yeah. Ever since uh, Google Stadia kind of took a nosedive, and I've heard nothing from them since. Right. I mean, I don't know what's going on with mm-hmm. that or any of the um, exclusives they were announcing or whatever. But so I was talking about tarot cards. Okay, so. Did you play the game Sayonara Wild Hearts? No, I never got around to it. Okay. It's a pretty quick game to play if you like. Quick story. I mean, I think I played it all the way through in less than three hours. But it's more about the story. And and the the cards Mm -hmm. relate to the character in the story. So that is kind of one of those creative uses of that that's not really it's part of you know the tarot as a part of the story and explaining the different parts of this person's life and how they lost their you know their love their true love or whatever it's really mm-hmm. worth playing um you should check it out when you have a some downtime <laughs> Um, I mean, definitely for for a playtime. I feel like lately anything that has the short playtime, I'm like, ooh, I can fit that in. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty impressive, even on um, Apple Arcade. So I tried mm-hmm. it. I mean, I bought it oh, right, right when it was available on the PlayStation Four. Played all the way through it, but I was kind of curious the way it looked on Apple Arcade, and it's pretty darn good. It's probably better to play with a controller than it is with a touch screen. Also, Cyanara Wild Hearts the person who's the narrator is queen latifah which is pretty, oh really yeah yeah like i don't know why that like piqued my interest more than just the description of the game but like that <laughs> i'm a, I'm a low-key queen latifah fan like i that put that on the top of my shortlist now <laughs> okay but i guess i've never told you the story then i have a queen latifah story from when i used okay, to i need to hear this okay <laughs> it was when i used to work at a coffee shop that will remain nameless 
but um, it rhymes with trucks. Rachel and I were working, and you know, it was uh, three people trying to run the whole place. We had one person drive through, one person up front, and then I was making drinks. And she walks over to me while I'm making some drinks, and she goes, "I think, I think that's Queen Latifah in the bathroom." I was like, "What? No, that couldn't possibly be Queen Latifah in the back bathroom." And then I pick up her cup. And I look and I see it's Dana. And I was like, well, that's that's her name. It's Dana Owens. So it's, you know, it's possible. But then it's just kind of like, okay, whatever. Go back to making the drinks and then get to the handoff plane when I've got her uh, double short wet cappuccino made. And lo and behold, Queen Latifah right there. Very nice woman. She was very cool. I didn't know. Was ask she in town for like a, a shoot or something I, like that? You know or. I don't know exactly why she was in town. Dave Chappelle was also in town for some reason around that time. I don't want to say the word rehab, but there's a there's a high end rehab center here in Tucson that might have been involved. I don't know. So yeah, Queen Latifah came to my store and uh, stayed in her car until the the place cleared out, and then came in got out of her Bentley and walked in and got a beverage. <laughs> so. Well, that is a very cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as, uh, as far as celebrities I've met, I, I think Queen Latifah is top of my list. So yeah, check it out. Uh, Signing our wild, wild hearts is just a super cute story. The game, you know, it's, it's also too where it's one of those ones where if you quote unquote die, they just restart you. So it's like, if you can't get past a part, it'll ask you if you just want to skip it and go to the next section mm-hmm. too. So it's just, it's, it's, it seems like it's more about the story, but the gameplay is also really fun. So are you into rhythm games or are you not a rhythm game person? I used to be, I haven't played them in a while, but I used to be really into like, obviously your rock bands and guitar heroes, but there was a time period where I was like super into like DDR. Oh. And I know this isn't like a traditional video game, but like at Dave and Buster's, there is this piano game where it's basically, it's just a rhythm game, you know, notes coming down from the top of the screen and you have to hit the big, you know, piano keys that are in front of you. Right. I freaking love that i can like get the ticket bonus every single time i sit down on that thing because i just like channel my rhythm game like zone right. and i sit down and i just i can i can go it's yeah. so fun i love rhythm games were, were you were you good at the dance dance revolution back in the day or like did you do any of the higher levels because i could never do the the crossover leg things that a lot of other kids could do when i was playing them I was actually pretty decent, um, but then my confidence got shattered because, like, I had it on like my PlayStation oh, okay. in my living room. So it wasn't a mat. wasn't an arcade thing. It was your your experience wasn't arcade, or was it also was it a combination right. of both? Well, so I played primarily in like my my living room at home, and I was actually getting pretty good. And then I went to an arcade. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try it out. And then because most of the time the arcades have like side by side, you know, there's two systems. Right. And you can compete with somebody. Yeah. And this like, I think I was like probably a preteen and someone who looked like they were probably in college at the time, like comes up and just shows me up really badly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I am not good at this after all. Yeah. And I just stuck to my living room after that. <laughs> yeah. To me, to me, that was a that was one of those. um 
if you bring a date to to like a golf course or like a mini golf course or whatever and they've got this or an arcade or whatever um it's a it's a playing with your buddy game it's like you know mm-hmm. you 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 don't play with randos because most of those randos that congregated around the dance dance revolution machine man they were doing all sorts of crazy stuff like jumping over it and jumping over the back you know how they had the little bar in the back you know people like yeah doing all sorts of spinning i was moves. not athletic enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> like there i don't think i don't think i could have made my body do some of the crazy contortions and jumps that they were doing yeah I just yeah it was think pretty I probably would have broken yeah, myself pretty impressive pretty impressive what they were doing Oh, did you ever get into the Persona games at all? The Shin Megami Tensei? I have, I have a couple. I have like Persona 5 and I've heard it's really good and I should get into it. But oh. I've also heard it's like a hundred plus hour time investment. So that's always scared me off a little bit. Okay, so when you have an estimation, so that that informs what games you play? I mean, it's, it's more, yeah. it's a silly question. It, it, it's more like, so you would rather play, even though it's got high marks and the story is, you know, interesting and Japanese and weird um, and might be compelling. If it's too long, you're, you're going to skip it. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's more, I would say me playing a game that long is more the exception than the rule. Okay. I, I have a problem where like a new shiny game will then come out right. and my thing is I can't like walk away from a game and then come back to it a few weeks later and still remember what I was doing, especially if I've played something else in the in-between time. So my problem with that is like I know myself enough that, you know, another game will come along when I'm like maybe 50 hours in and then I'll put it down and I'll never finish. Right. And lately I've gotten into this thing like I never used to care if I finished a game or not, I guess. But lately, I just like seeing a story through to the end, and like I need, I'm compelled. Even if I don't really enjoy the game, I like I need to finish. I need to see it through. So okay. then, when I have like a hundred hour adventure in front of me, I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be this is gonna, be, gonna be a long haul. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the way um, Cyberpunk worked out. I mean, I I ended up playing it. I I unlike you didn't have any major problems with um, with it on my PlayStation Four. Um, some weird ass bugs and things like stuff like, you know, when you, when you run and cars go flying back, you know, flying behind you and whatnot. And you, you, um, I think Tectic mentioned the T bug where they were, you know, Mm -hmm. standing up in the T in the car. Um, but I was able to get through that. But anyway, that, you know, by the time all was said and done, I put 200 hours into it and it was just like, you know, I, I, I'm more of a completionist. Um, when it comes to games that I enjoy, if I don't enjoy the game, I'm just going to stop and maybe I'll come back to it. If someone else says, Hey, this, this game is worth playing all the way through. Maybe I'll come back to it and relearn, um, you know, the, the, the game stuff. Like if I went back to one of the games, like persona five, I didn't make it all the way through. I, I, I don't know how far I made it, but, um, I'd have to learn all the stuff all over again, but you know, a lot of people say it's, it's worth playing. So maybe I'll come back to it. I'm just, I'm just, um, right now I'm on that, um, uh, strikers, the persona five strikers, which is more of a, mm-hmm. one of those, you know, like arcade beat up more feeling games. So 
my point of bringing up Persona was the fact that um, in that game you have the different demons and things, supernatural things, uh, that are part of this standard arcana uh, that was developed by um, Atlas when they made the Shin Megami Tensei series. And it's pretty consistent over all the games. They may have some deviations with these different uh, monsters or demons or whatever, but they're pretty consistent and pretty weird. Persona 5, I'd say put it in the maybe pile. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's pretty good, though. From what I was playing, I remember I liked it, and then just something better came along. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about, um, do you have a Switch? I do have a Switch, yeah. Okay. So you talked about ghosts earlier. Mm-hmm. So Luigi's Mansion. Ooh, that was let's, such a fun game. Let's talk about Luigi and it, Luigi's Mansion. Is he just, like, scared of everything? Yeah, mostly. But, like... <laughs> He's scared of everything in the sense where he's still going to be brave enough to go through the mansion anyway. It's kind of commendable considering he's like, um, not that like, I don't know. He's kind of a pansy. He's like quaking <laughs> in his boots anytime he goes into like a new hallway or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there's something to be said for this. I mean, I know he's a fictional character, but like got to give him props for continuing through the mansion, even though he's terrified. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's got a vacuum cleaner, so that's something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I think I, I played uh, Luigi's Mansion, um, I want to say on the GameCube was the, was the only thing that I played it on. Um, and I thought it was pretty fun on that. Oh, I forgot it was on the 3DS, too. I, I mean, I didn't play it on there, but, like, the 3DS was just... 3DS was a machine, man. <laughs> yeah. it's. A, I don't know why... Like, I never used the 3D functionality, though. I always turned it off. Right. But it was such a cool... Like, the concept of having two screens was really cool. I know that's kind of like a tangential comment, but the 3DS, I know, like, we have two in our house right now. Uh And I always forget that we had it. And it was, like, a very substantial part of, I think, four or five years, we played pretty substantially on the 3DS. And I always forget that thing existed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it what was the so that was um yeah i remember the ds i never had the 3ds but um ds always had some really cool game concepts on it that i thought were worthwhile um and Mm -hmm. and i think they do some some ds ports to i i know that the world ends with you which is um i want to say that was was that that was a ds game and I remember that yeah. being really f- a lot of fun and cool. Um, they recently came out with a Neo. Have you seen that? The World Ends With You Neo? Yeah. That's like the sequel. Because they did... So they did a remaster on the Switch of the original game. Right. Right. And I did buy it, but I never... Because I had played it some, I had never really like tried it. It's one of those things where I bought it because I thought I would play it right away and I never did Uh because I was really interested to see how they would take the two screen concept and kind of, you know, adapt it to just having one screen in front of you. Because from what I remember, like the two screen component was a pretty big element of the gameplay. Like you use that second screen a lot. I bought the uh, the version that they made on the iPad and I think it's similar, the similar uh, thing to where 
what you do on the switch where it, a card flashes and you got to figure you got to pick which one it is and it, you know it's a, it's a different thing than what what the dynamic was on on the double screen but um mm-hmm. it's it's pretty enjoyable on the iPad too i mean it was pretty good uh pretty good port to that as well so anyway um did you ever play phasmophobia so I'm I'm too much of a wuss. I know Tactic really wanted me to play it at one point. I was just like, mm. there there are certain video games like people are like, oh, you need to try this. Dead Space is a big one that Illegal has been trying to get me to play okay. for literally like the entirety of the time that I've known him. Right. Too scared. Like I tried it a little bit and I was like, I'm just too jumpy for this. Like I'm not. This is I'm not cut out for this. I I think <laughs> as. I, as the Dead Space series went on, I think it was less jump scary. So, I mean, I don't know. It the first one was definitely really good at that, like making you jump, and um, mm-hmm. really w- well done. So you would equate the two. I I just thought that that uh, phasmophobia with the you can use actually the the Ouija board in there. Um, phasmophobia came out in twenty twenty. Kinetic Games. It kind of was a big hit because of the pandemic, was it? It was one of those games that a lot of people played, right? Yeah, because you could play that co-op right. with somebody else. And I think that was one of the big draws, especially, you know, coming out in the midst of the pandemic, being able to play with other people and having, you know, another way to connect with people over spooky, scary things. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, and people really got scared, too. I, I saw a couple of... Um, twitch streams actually what's good games did did a couple of twitch streams where they were playing with people and it really freaked a lot of people out uh both brett and um andrea renee were (laughs) you know getting (laughs) killed all over the place and they're like oh crap i'm a ghost now but i think it's an interesting concept but if you're like you mentioned at the top of the show if you're not into that whole like ghost hunter sort of experience then i that makes sense that phasmophobia would not be the game for you well i mean i think it's a really interesting concept and just because like i don't necessarily believe in the whole ghost thing i think it it would probably be fun to play if i could just like maybe i just need like something to boost my constitution to play like take a few shots before and just be like (laughs) okay i'm gonna do this i can do this (laughs) right right and that uh, boost your confidence. That would also uh, be a superstition, wouldn't you say? That is true. Alcohol you know, boosts the I, confidence. I, you know, it doesn't really, does it? You know, th- this is one superstition. I, I will, I will put my foot down on with Rocket League. Yeah. Two drinks is the perfect level at which to How play many? Rocket League. Two drinks. Two drinks. At least for me, two yeah. drinks is the perfect level. Do any more than that, and you're not going to play well. Any less than that, you're not going to be loose enough to just like go with the flow. That's, okay, that is the superstition that I do have right. still that I play with. Well, there we go. That that seems like we we figured out your superstition. So the, the end of the <laughs> yeah. show is we figured out that Rocket League and two drinks equals Nerd Bomber playing soccer cars really really well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> On that note, that has been our show on superstition. Unless you have something to add, Nerd Bomber, about superstition. Do you have any words of wisdom? My urban legend tips and tricks from all of my Wendigo research. Don't go out into the national forest by yourself. And if you hear someone screaming, go the other way. (laughs) Okay, that's excellent. (laughs) Excellent advice on Wendigo (laughs) research. Don't go 
to national parks alone. Actually, that's probably just good advice anyway. Slice it, really. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Scary, supernatural things or not. Always have a hiking buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Have a hiking buddy. And that's been our advice on superstition and I guess part one of our two-part spooktacular. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us this week. My name is Ben. I'm Nerd Bomber. And we've been your hosts. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye.